Pastor Matt, do yes. you think I'm nervous? Jeffrey Dahmer went to heaven. Oh, this is a real question. It was a legit question. Because you know there's this Netflix series out yeah, yeah, about yeah. him. I forget what it's called, yeah. but I know. Weirdo people watch it. Yeah. All my staff in here that are Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Are you watching the special? I am not. Yeah. Because you know I, why? Because like, you're normal. You know, and I just feel like I start getting the creepy crawlies yeah. and then I start like locking my kids' windows yeah. and it's just not a good idea. So yeah. I just decide not to. Yeah, do so that. I don't know a lot of so I was in college, I think, when he was arrested and he became very famous. And so my quick answer is absolutely not. I think that Christians in the name of grace, um, go way crazy and try to get everybody saved and everybody in heaven. And when you read revelation, it talks specifically about murderers, not being in the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that all murderers are not in the kingdom of God? No, but I think it's an extraordinary miracle because taking the life of someone is so egregious and what he did in terms of, um, deceptively luring, uh, bringing people in is just so egregious and so gross. I'm going to guess absolutely not. And as a Christian, I mean, I, I'm going to be bold and this is going to make the news. I wouldn't have met with him. So, uh, Dr. Dobson met with the other crazy dude from the eighties. I forget what his name was. The guy that would lure women with like, he would pretend like he had a broken cast up in Seattle. Nobody knows it's oh, too old. Like and the so, Night Stalker or yeah, something yeah. like that. Oh uh, no. Night Stalker was SoCal, but he would act like, um, he would be at the grocery store. He would act like he had a broken arm and he needed help getting his groceries in the van and these women would help him. And so, and so James Dobson went and led him to Christ And I'm like, dude, I would not have taken that call. I think it makes us as Christians look ridiculous. And one of Paul's concerns in 1 Corinthians is you guys are accepting sin that even the world thinks is whack. Absolutely. And that's where Christians in the name of grace uh, really make it cheap grace. Um, And and so here's the thing I would say about Dahmer or any of these guys. And the guy that Dobson led to Christ was was, uh, fighting the death penalty. And so here's what I would say. If his salvation was real, um, he would have just he wouldn't have fought it and he would have accepted it because I think true repentance would be okay I I've committed my crime mm-hmm. um, and I deserve to die for what I did to all of these people yeah. but he wanted out mm-hmm. and because uh, he's new right and I'm like no you're a manipulator and the Christian church even Dobson I think I I I think he he had good theological reasons I thought it was unwise and so um, you know it's like I met. Um, uh, you remember that uh, that crazy white kid that went to that black church in the South and he sat in the pews and he right. killed all those people? Yeah. Well, I was in a meeting and there was this Episcopal priest, you know, he's wearing the, I don't want to say dress, the- Robe. The robe, thank yeah. you. That mm-hmm. was offensive, the dress. He's wearing his robe and, you know, he's got his stockings on and he was really proud that he's discipling and mentoring this young kid that did all this. And I just, I held my head and I was like, bro, there's just got to be like a million other young men that need to be your priority. And, and I just really challenged him. And, and he said, actually, well, you know, Jesus said, whenever you have done to the least of these in prison, I said, he's talking about his family and, and the hurting and the people are actually the people in that church. It's not the person that perpetuated the crime. And so I just think as Christians, oftentimes we mean well, we don't think well. And, and so it was a little uncomfortable because like, oh my gosh, you're challenging the guy in a robe and you know, your church name is sandals. But I, I just was like, Dude, this is gross. Mm. So, wow, I did not see that question coming. Yeah, I just wonder what prompted that question. Like, I, I haven't watched the whole yeah. show. So I don't know if at the end there was maybe some mention of repentance. I know some some dude killed him in, yeah, prison, yeah, in prison, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so, so let me just claim ignorance that I don't know a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer, and I hope that brings our listeners peace. 
Yeah. <laughs> like if I'm like this yeah. expert on Jeffrey Dahmer, right. I'm thinking that that's like different. maybe, and it brings me peace that you don't know anything <laughs> I, about him either. I, don't. I think it's captivating, but I've heard from several people that have started watching it. They said it really creeped them out. And, uh, um, and here's the thing is, uh, here's the good news about the series. I think it reminds us, and I haven't watched it. It reminds us that evil is real. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very, very important thing. And a lot of parents, you know, when they're against, um, um, like I've heard a lot of parents say I'm against stranger things. And I understand that here's the beauty of stranger things. It reminds us that evil is real and it is real. That might be fake. That right. might be witchcraft. That might be bizarre. Uh, but there are really scary things and there is darkness in this world. Mm -hmm. And in our world, the sin is like even Disney now, like every evil character has a backstory. Yeah. And I'm like, remember the days when it was just, you were just wicked. Mm -hmm. Like you just wanted to, you know, my precious, you know, and you <laughs> wanted to just get everybody. And we've lost that ability to say, this is evil. Um, and there's actually a great book. Um, this guy's dead. Uh, M. Scott Peck, and he wrote a book called People of the Lie in the mm -hmm. 1980s. And he was a therapist working for the U.S. government investigating like hate crimes and uh, specifically crimes that the uh, some, some, some members of the U.S. military had committed in Vietnam. And he was trying to understand why. Mm. How do these young men from you know, different races, different socioeconomic status, they didn't know each other. How did they come together and commit? Uh, it, was, it was called My Lie, I think it was. And it was just this event where they just killed a bunch of people who weren't Viet Cong and nobody could stop it. And young people watched it, um, sergeants watched it, lieutenants, and no one stopped it. Wow. Um, and he, he wanted to know why. And the conclusion he came to was evil is real. So then if evil is real, might, might its opposite also be real. Yeah, and that's what led him to Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Evil, real evil. And so uh, I think he's, unfortunately, M. Scott Peck has been forgotten. Uh, you know, we have other great fathers of the faith, C.S. Lewis and other great thinkers that we remember, but M. Scott Peck just hasn't lasted. But his most famous book is The Road Less Traveled. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, People of Lies Creepy. Uh, it <laughs> okay. kind of makes you feel... Because he's, he's, and he actually is uh, interviewing evil people, uh, yeah. sometimes parents, wow. moms, dads, kids, and you're just like, whoa. So I think that's the best opening question ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new season of the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. This is the podcast where author and pastor Matt Brown debriefs current issues shaping our culture from a spiritual perspective and answers all your questions about Christianity. My name is Donna Martin, and I'm so excited to be here. How are you, Pastor Matt? Welcome Matt, back. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know Donna, I you were my first choice. Thank I can't you. believe that you took the job. Um I don't normally get my first choice. So thank you very much. Can you just kind of introduce yourself to our audience? Um, you know, I know who your husband is. I know about your life, but our audience doesn't. Um, and your husband works for one of our campuses. Yeah. So can you guys kind of tell us who Donna is? Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm Donna. I said yes. that. Um, I live in San Bernardino. We have been there for nine years. I cannot believe that. The Lord led us to San Bernardino nine years ago uh, when my husband took a youth pastor position at a local church there. And after being on staff, working with youth for five years, 
we took this huge, crazy, ridiculous leap of faith and started our nonprofit called The Joy Company. And we empower kids. Well, let me just say this. We are missionaries on public school campuses. So we go on campus. We make sure that there's Christian community on campus. We set up Bible studies if need be. Uh, We're currently about to set up worship club on campus. So my husband's going to take over the quad and worship with a bunch of kids. Um, And... It's been great. We have been married for 17 years. We mm-hmm. have three kids. I've got a teen, a preteen, and a seven-year-old who thinks she <laughs> is a teen because yeah. obviously brother and sister. And um, yeah, we we love sandals. We've been here for almost three years and God has just done such a work in our lives as a, being, as a result of being here. Um, the Joy Company has um, been a, a labor of love mm-hmm. and... Um, Man, I, you know, when you, when you trust Jesus and you jump out, you step out, he just meets you with so much uh, miracles and things you wouldn't have ever expected in your life. And so that's been good. We've been serving, we have a leadership program for students and uh, we also just, we just love on kids. We love on staff. I was at a middle school the other day praying with the principal. Um, She asked me to come and pray and thank God for educators Mm -hmm. that realize the, their need for Amen. God. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm super glad you're here. So uh, the last time I connected with you was at that prayer breakfast, the four hour oh, prayer yeah. breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Oh was, my gosh. It was really um, long. <laughs> so how can, how can people be a part of the joy company? And just so you guys know, Donna didn't ask me to do this. I just want to make sure that people can know because it's such an incredible thing. Where can they learn more information about the joy? Yeah, company? absolutely. They can go to our website, joyco.info, J O Y C O.info or on social media. We're at the joy company. Mm. Um, and they can get involved. They can see what we do on a weekly basis. They can help us buy pizza (laughs) for these kids every week. And, um, yeah, just get involved in impacting the next generation for Christ. It's, it's what we live for. Yeah. That is so incredible. And so I'm super blessed. And I think you guys are going to enjoy Donna's wisdom, just kind of her presence. And just when I'm around her, when I first met you, I think it was at my house for like a, I don't know if it was a wedding shower or, uh, I was doing, uh, Recording for Cultivate. Okay, recording for Cultivate, Mm -hmm. but it was in my home. Mm -hmm. And I remember right when I met you, I thought, man, I hope I can do ministry with this woman because you just have a presence about you. Um, I think that you're extraordinarily wise. Um, I, I love the way you think. Um, I appreciate the way you evaluate culture, and I know that um, you've been able to challenge me and, and really make me think, and I think our listeners are just going to be blessed just to your presence on this show. And so your husband's name is Devo, but he goes by Devon. Okay, so his name is Devon. Devon. Yeah, that's his given name. Okay, yeah. His mother named him Devon, yeah. And um, but for 30 years, he's introduced himself as Devo. So okay. a friend in high school was like, we should call you Devo. And mm. he was like, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, and he's been Devo for forever, but recently just had some time with the Lord and mm-hmm. really felt like God was restoring his name mm. and, and taking off some performance, you know, part yeah. of that, that identity as Devo was because he was a artist before and traveling yeah. and that kind of thing. And God just kind of shifting that. And even, you know, this past year with my husband's mom passing away yeah. in March, um, just this journey of healing, God mm. has brought him back to this place of identity and with his name. So everybody's trying to remember to call him Devon. I am trying to remember to call yeah, him yeah. Devon. Yeah. Um, people that have known him for a long yeah. time already. I think the do, wife gets to call him whatever he, Yeah, he I call him whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that's Devo. He's uh, the worship leader at our church in San Bernardino, our church at the Sandals location yeah. in San Bernardino. And we love it. We yeah. love San Bernardino. Yeah. We love our campus pastor, Amen. Chris. Shout out to Chris. He's amazing. Yeah. So 
Incredible. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, and that was a tough, cold, open question, by the way. It was. And it was Ted Bundy. That oh, was yeah, the yeah. one you were talking about with the arm and the yeah. luring uh, women into his Yeah, just a super van. creepy person from another decade. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, so here's the thing is, and I was just saying, um, you know, I think so, as Christians, we're, we're, we're so... Um, interested it right in, in a turnaround story because you know obviously the apostle yeah. paul was who he was and and i'm not saying that can't happen i'm just thinking we need to be careful that we, we don't lose sight of the light and um you know so i'm a big fan of lord of the rings rings of power is out and uh the, the lead character is galadriel mm-hmm. and it's kind of her backstory which if if you're a lord of the rings fans you wouldn't know that she could swing a sword at all right because she's just like this beautiful princess but prior to that she was the lead warrior for these elves and there's just this there's this uh, moment of self-reflection because she's kind of been banished, like promoted in the show, but she's banished, spoiler alert to everyone. Uh, But she realizes, she said, my friends and king could no longer discern between the evil that I was fighting and the evil I'd become. Wow. And I thought, wow. And that's just, as a church, we we just need to really be able to maintain this healthy distance from evil and where we are. And Dahmer and Bundy, that is evil in the purest Mm -hmm. sense. We are sinners. That is evil. And, And so many Christians, you know, growing up, right, all sin is the same. No, there is a difference between thinking a bad thought and doing something. And so in our culture, right, words are the worst. Uh, but please say, 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 call me bad names. Don't hurt me. Yeah, like don't beat yeah. me up. Don't physically hurt me. And so there's always this rush to make everything evil. And what happens in culture, then nothing's evil. Right. Because we haven't been able to say, no, 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 no. And I think even someone like Dobson, who I will never be as wise as, and I, I wasn't sitting in his seat and I don't know the pressure he faced, uh, but I can't imagine a scenario where I tell my wife, I'm going to go pray with Ted Bundy to give his life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think that's our call. There's mm-hmm. too many people that aren't those people mm-hmm. that are desperately in Absolutely. need of Christ. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think in the name of amazing grace, Christians miss sharing just normal everyday grace with people that Absolutely. are lost. And uh, man, you know, that, that might get the reels, that might get the clicks, but at the end of the day, uh, my neighbor is more important to me and the people that I work with than some sadistic, uh, you know, serial killer that mm-hmm. that was a liar and a manipulator, and that's how he lured people. Like on purpose. On purpose. <laughs> and I think Dobson, despite all of his wisdom and education and training, was duped, was yeah. led into the cell in the same way like so many innocent hmm. women trying to do something good. Right. Right. And, and and I just think he missed that. And so as Christians, we we have to we have to be able to name evil and say that's yeah. evil. And it's in the church. Mm-hmm. It's in people's lives. Um, it's been unfortunately in the pulpit in a, in a priest's outfit, yeah. um, and 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 we have to to deal with that. You know, I mean, one of the reasons my cousin is just an atheist. He was sharing with me, you know, the Catholic parish that he went to. Uh, his local priest went to jail for like forty years for what he did to children because people couldn't name it. Yeah, you have to. There's people know there's something wrong with this person. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. There's something missing here. And we, we have to be brave and we have to name it. And um, and I'll tell you, as a pastor, I, I've had to step in and say, hey, this this person makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this. And there's not nearly the support you think yeah. there would be. 
because uh, nobody wants to believe a family member, yeah. a friend, a husband, a wife, your sister, your brother could be that evil. Absolutely. But sometimes, unfortunately, they are. Sometimes. So yeah. this is my favorite episode ever. Love it. Yes. Well, this season of The Debrief is really cool, very unique, because mm -hmm. it is aligning with this new series yeah. that you're teaching through Ephesians about being different. Right. It's a walk through the book of Ephesians. So mm -hmm. can you just summarize a little bit about uh, your sermon on Sunday or even yeah. just what this whole series is yeah. about? Yeah, so it, it came to me um, in my month off in, in July. I took the whole month off to try to uh, reflect, take a Sabbath, spend time with God. You know, Jesus often ran away. And, and when I was younger, I didn't. And I think mm. it really affected me spiritually. And so I try to get time away. And I know people are saying, oh, we miss you. And, and thank you. But um, if I preach every week and never take a break, I'll, I'll be broken myself. Mm -hmm. And so I took a break and I just really felt like, you know, there, there's so much division, um, ethnic division, mm -hmm. division amongst genders, uh, uh, political division and the church in Ephesus is birthed in a riot. Like Acts 19, there's this riot and, um, you know, you have the conservatives in Ephesus, right? Worship Diana, mm -hmm. um, you know, and she has, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a, a sculpture of her, but we are not certain if she has 20 breasts on her <laughs> chest or <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Testicle sacks. <laughs> okay. So, so in so in Ephesus, they worshipped Artemis, uh, and she she is a god who came from heaven. Yeah. And so check this out. Um, this will blow your noodle for you know. So the most difficult passages about women in ministry come out of First Timothy mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, some of Ephesians, and it's because in the temple of Artemis, right. only women could be pastors. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys knew that. And uh, in order to be a minister, you had to be a woman. That's right. Unless you castrated yourself as a man. So think about that. That's why we're not sure whether they're breasts or testicle sacs. We're wow. not sure. They could be bull testicles. Nobody's really sure because ultimately her, the, the entire movement is just destroyed because Christianity takes over. Yeah. Um, it kind of dies off. Um for multiple reasons. One, it's crazy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, and Christians were compelling, but there's a riot, a political mm -hmm. riot where, you know, people are acting, um, I, you know, I mean, the, the governor tries, or the, the local mayor tries to quiet them. Now he says, we are in violation. And, and Romans let you do anything except riot. Mm -hmm. And if you rioted, they killed you. They didn't care what you did. Uh, if, and he says, we are in danger of being accused as, of a riot. And that's the only thing that prevents um, some of the Christians in Ephesus from dying, but I've actually stood in that theater and, and, and that's where I've felt like, um, you know, you and I've talked personally just about like the, the, the day that, um, George Floyd died and all that came out. I don't remember if it was the day before my birthday or the day after my birthday, but when I turned 49, it was the darkest birthday of my life. That's yeah. when everybody was putting the black squares on yeah. there. And, and it was my birthday yeah. and, and my family wanted to celebrate me. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed mm. and so unable with what to do. Like Absolutely. this is just ugly and evil. And you know, my parents had lived through uh, race riots in the sixties and, and, but I grew up in the eighties, the Cosby's right. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in the nineties. Uh, it was a very, very different time mm -hmm. for me uh, ethnically growing up. Um, I, I didn't sense the racial division that people feel now. I didn't in the, in the eighties. I, I mean, you know, it could be just because, you know, I'm a white guy, but I didn't feel it and sense it. And now all of a sudden I'm in this yeah. and I'm like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I, I've really doubled down on the gospel. And so 
in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get into Acts, um, excuse me, Ephesians 1 towards the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, and it's about racial reconciliation. Yeah. And, and God has taken that which was hostile mm-hmm. and made one. Yeah. And, and I really realized that, um, you know, what social justice is m- missing really is Jesus. And what conservatives are missing is there needs to be social justice and reconciliation. Absolutely. And so Jesus does both. And I realize that probably offends <laughs> both of our listeners. <laughs> um, welcome to my life, Don, in the yeah. last three years. But I've really tried to figure this out. Um, you know, because I want to speak out against injustice and evil. And you and I talked about it almost immediately after it happened because it was evil. Absolutely. It was evil. And, um, you know, and and so I have black friends, uh, you're one of them, and I have friends who are police officers. And it's like, it's just this big... It's like when your friends go through divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever been that with your friends, but we've sat in it with friends that have just loved each other so deeply. And all of a sudden the marriage is so broken, there's no hope for repair. And it's just a, it's a sad thing when you want reconciliation yeah. more than they do. And, but you're an outsider yeah, and you're not sure what to do. And that's how I was feeling. And then the Lord began to really challenge me and say, okay, the, Jesus is, is the reconciler. That's He's right. the reconciler of all things, all people, all nations. And so... What we need to do in order to bring reconciliation is be different. Absolutely. And don't you feel like Ephesians is like, Ephesians feels like a love letter to me, at least the first couple of Mm -hmm. chapters. And there's so much about identity in there that transcends my color. It transcends my gender. It transcends all of those things. It's this place where God is like, I've lavished so Mm -hmm. much on you that, that there can be oneness or reconciliation between all of us because we're all at the foot of the cross, like Amen. under the blood of Jesus, Amen. we um, have so much. So I love that. I think this is going to be amazing. I hope so. I think so. I think we're off to good I mean, start. I love Ephesians. Yes. I mean, and I hope that our well, listeners so will fall in love with Ephesians Yeah, and so here's well. the thing, and you can remind me as we go through this, here's the thing that breaks my heart. Um, when scholars come to Ephesians, uh, because of the Calvinism, Arminianism debate, they immediately make it um, an exclusive club. Hmm. you were predestined, Mm -hmm. you were not. And they're missing so much of what Paul's trying to explain, the predestination that he's trying to uh, lay out for us. And so if you're going to walk through the book of Ephesians, especially if you're a Calvinist, and I love you, uh, we have have people that are Calvinists on staff, um, um, but every time you see predestined, I want you to ask yourself, to what? Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's right. That is what predestined. So then you have to take a step back and say, well, okay, well, who's predestined? And so what scholars do is they say, well, those who were predestined before the foundation of the earth, and that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is all those in Christ mm-hmm. are predestined. Yeah. Well, who's in Christ? Those who have repented and believed. And then you go to Ephesians chapter two. Who are those people? Oh, they're Jews mm-hmm. who were first to believe, mm-hmm. and you and me, right? Gentiles. Yeah. I don't, are you Jewish? Do you have any Jewish uh, heritage? No. Okay. But no, have you I been, don't have think you been so. to Israel? I haven't. Yeah, I'm you got to come. So there are there are black Jews. I believe it. I mean, I'm telling you, man. I mean, they my got mom their, is all about that. Like yeah, yeah, she's just all about the black there, Jews. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they're there, and so man, it's it's awesome to meet them, and and they're just incredible. So so I, you know I, I don't know. I mean, any day unless you, unless you've done 23 and Me. You know, my grandma. I lied. haven't done it. Yeah, yet. I was I mean, told I, I was Italian. Zero. No, I mean my family is traced back to like the plantation okay. that we were on, but yeah. I don't know anything beyond that. Yeah, probably. okay. So you know, you and I are 
one in Christ and 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 the wall of hostility has been taken down not Amen. because of what you did not because of what I did but because of what Jesus did and he died for both of us and so at the foot of most um predestination issues for Paul it is almost always the issue of racial reconciliation mm-hmm. and so like um a lot of people they'll go to um the book of acts and it says all those who were appointed gave their lives to Christ that day you never see that language after acts 15 mm-hmm. Prior to Acts 15, it's those that had an appointment. Mm-hmm. Well, who were those Gentiles? Right. They had an appointment with God. They have a seat at the table because the Jews were to be a light to the nations, to mm. bring all nations right. to the foot of the cross. And ultimately, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this book right now. Our listeners can pray for me. It's called The Healer. And one of the arguments I'm making is Jesus came as the healer. He is the healer and he will heal. And uh, when I was in Israel... Um, I, I don't know why, but you have a beautiful ring. I'm not Thank a I'm you. not a jewelry guy. I wanted a piece of jewelry. Hmm. Um, part of that's because Fredo, I think, makes jewelry look so cool. And I'm like, why can't I be cool like Fredo? <laughs> and the Lord's like, because you're not young. <laughs> so um, I wanted a necklace, and but I wanted something that was not offensive to my Jewish friends hmm. because the cross is offensive to them because there's been sin from people in the name of Christ to them. They've been hunted, hurt, wounded, property stolen, right? I mean, you know, um, just because somebody comes in the name of Christ doesn't mean they know him at all. Um, And so I wanted something that was inclusive of them. And and I'll I'll wear it next week when we record, but it's the tree of life. Mm -hmm. So a lot of Christians don't know this, but the tree of life is in Genesis 3 and it's in Revelation, the last chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. And so here's the thing, right? So Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden. They are no longer able to eat of the tree of life. Jesus Christ dies on a tree. Mm-hmm. And when he returns in Revelation, he replants the tree, listen to this, for the healing of the nations. Yes, amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Like he, and so unfortunately, the, the symbol of the cross is divisive. And so I picked the tree of life to hopefully have a conversation to bring people in because you and I are Gentiles, but he didn't just die for you and I, he Mm -hmm. died for them as well. Absolutely. And, um, so I, I'm super excited about, you know, this series. I hope it is different. Um, I had the best encounter with this gal uh, on, um, Sunday, I think it was at the 11 o'clock service at the Hunter park. I was teaching live and there was kind of a line that had occurred for people. And I was praying over, um, I guess several young women, like maybe ages 18 to like 25. And one particular woman, Donna, she had come to church because her psychiatrist Hmm. at uh, Loma Linda prayed for her and the family and suggested church. And they were so desperate for healing, they came. Wow. And I I prayed for them in the lobby. And I mean, snot from the nose to the floor, of these people because they're hurting so bad. Yeah. And I praise God for a doctor, whoever that was, that said, look, we can we can readjust the medicine, but you need the healer. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to know, she said the doctor's name and he recommended us, praise God. That's awesome. He's like, man, you're crazy. You go to Sandals. <laughs> <laughs> they, they'll they, find you. They, they'll they meet you find there. You <laughs> and then there was a girl right after her and um, she saw our, our, our uh, marketing, great job, Terrell and the marketing team. She saw the series name was different. You know what she said to me? She said, I'm different. Wow. She said, I think this is the church for me. Love that. And she had had a brain injury um, and she's lost some cognitive. uh, She was on a hike and she hit her head and she's lost some cognitive function and Mm -hmm. it affects her eyes. Yeah. So her eyes don't move maybe the way she wants. And, you know, as a woman, um, 
as guys, I think we get away with not being beautiful, but as a woman, that's a lot of who you are and it's affected the way she looks. Mm -hmm. And she said, is there a place for me here, even mm -hmm. though I'm different? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to start sobbing. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, and I think again, culturally, you know, as, as our culture shifts, as morals change, as less and less people go to church, what we have to understand as Christians is we have to be different. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's a new place for us as Christians because we've been dominant mm -hmm. the way we think, the way we feel, the way we act. And, and even if we haven't lived it out perfectly, people have kind of accepted, yeah, this is a Christian country. That's no longer the case. And so we have to be different. And, um, so that is a very long explanation of why yeah, I picked it. Yeah, that was great so, But the Lord and just so, yeah, gave me the word. Different. And so many of our, not a few of our questions here, they talk about this idea of being different yeah. and are asking you, you know, we'll get into them in a second. But if you guys have questions for Pastor Matt, please go to move.sc forward slash ask and you can submit your questions about Ephesians, about this sermon, about Dahmer. I don't. I don't know why, but you can do <laughs> yeah. that if that's what you want to ask yeah. Pastor Matt. And um, I want to get into this first question because yeah. these are really good. And these are, you know, I, I love the idea of people just submitting questions after they've responded or listened to the mm. message um, because it, it means the Holy Spirit is working. Yeah, he's amen. moving in there. He's, mm. he's, he's getting people to think differently. And so the first one's from Stephanie mm -hmm. from Riverside. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks, Steph. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what are some good ways to check what lens we're using to see the world and how do we start using the lens that Jesus offers instead? Yeah. Well, you and I, and I don't know if you remember this, we had an incredible conversation mm. about, you said something to me. You said, would I feel this way if I wasn't black? Do you remember that conversation we had? It was like two years ago. Slightly. And you, and you said you had to step back and ask yourself, mm -hmm. am I, am I, and, and that, and that's what I'm talking about. And we all have to do that. Would I feel this way if I wasn't white? Mm -hmm. Would I feel this way if I wasn't a man? Because my inclination, like when Tammy, I don't know how about how you and Devon fight, you know, it's probably, you guys pray together. Hold yeah. It's very, oh, yeah. it's very, so very, 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 very like Christ. <laughs> but when Tammy and I disagree, right. I, in, I, I automatically see it from my perspective. Right. And this is the woman that I love more than anyone. Mm -hmm. And I dismiss what she's feeling, what she said. And that's all sin. I, I completely dismiss that. And I, and so you know, Jesus, the lens of Jesus is he sees, he sees the people and it says he had compassion on them for they were hopeless and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. That's the eyes of Jesus. And so um, people are desperately broken. Yeah. Uh, black people, white people, Asian people, uh, gay people, straight people, weird church people. Oh my gosh. You know, like um, if I die early, it will be from church people. Um <laughs> Because we are we are broken, mm. and and that's why Jesus is not just savior; He has to be healer, which is the whole point of my book. Sorry for the shameless plug, but we we need healing. And so, what I would say is, assume you're missing something. Mm -hmm. Assume you're missing something. You know, we all in our eyes have blind spots. I don't know. Like, can you see your nose right now? No, I can so, see yours. Yeah, thank you. So if you, yeah, that hurt my feelings. So <laughs> no. um, man, Don had a great run. That was really good. One episode. And yeah. over. So, but if you cl close one eye. Now uh, you can, now yeah. you can see your nose. So, oh, I look ridiculous on camera. I'm sure. Yeah, like so, this. so what happens is when both of our eyes are open, our brain automatically just erases our nose. It's there, but your brain decides not to see it. Isn't wow. that scary? I didn't know that. So every single day, our brain is making judgments about what we see or don't see. Mm -hmm. So, assume that. So, what am I? What am I not seeing that Jesus sees? Mm -hmm. 
And this is happening every day when I rush to church, when I'm late, I, I'm, I'm focused on myself, my song, my seat, and I'm not missing, I'm not seeing the person next to me. I'm not seeing the person in front of me. I, I didn't see, you know, um, you know, anything. Just the other day, I, I bumped into a woman at uh, Miguel's Jr. And I, and I mean, I bumped into her, like, <laughs> I, and I didn't see her. And yeah. I could tell she was offended. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, instead of me being offended that she was, I bumped her. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I did not see you. Mm-hmm. And she just smiled, you know, because yeah. we don't have a culture of it's okay. You know, she yeah. just kind of smiled and walked on, but I didn't see her. Mm-hmm. And so I did something that hurt her or made her feel unseen. And and so here's the thing is, um, did you ever read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective mm-hmm. People? When he tells that story about the guy on the train with all the kids going I crazy. I haven't read it in years. So, so the, the chapter is called The Paradigm Shift. Mm-hmm. And so it's this guy's kids are going crazy and they spill his coffee and they're stepping on his toes and they're screaming and he's on the subway and he's got to get to work. And he said, excuse me, sir, can you please handle your children? Hmm. And the man says, I'm so sorry. We just came home from the hospital and their mother died. Oh my gosh. Right. Perspective shift. (laughs) So, So now he has the eyes of Jesus. Right. Who cares about my coffee? Right. These three boys just lost their mother. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so those are the eyes of Jesus. So what am I missing? What am I not seeing? And so for me, I'll be honest with you, Donna, when I'm upset, particularly with my wife, I just have to say, I I know I'm missing something. So I got to go for a walk. I got to get away. I got to pray. I got to think about it because my emotion clouds my vision Mm -hmm. every time in marriage, in race, in politics. And and so here's the problem. Politicians play to our emotions. Mm -hmm. Pastors do it too. Mm -hmm. We call it preaching to the choir. I try not to do, I do it sometimes, um, but you know, I, I want to, you know, for me, when I'm arguing with Tammy, if I don't need to raise my voice, I need to improve my argument. And the way I do that is, is tr- by trying to see, okay, here's what you're, you're saying, seeing, here's what you're saying. Uh, you know, I am apologizing for that because I'm naturally blind. So I would just say everybody just needs to assume they are not seeing things from Jesus' yeah. perspective. Yeah. They're just not. Um, I mean, and when you look at some of the greatest offenses in the scripture, right, people are angry at him because he heals a wounded person on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. They don't have the eyes of God. Yeah. They think they do. Uh, and then ultimately what, what they think is best is to kill Jesus in the name of God. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, and so that's just how blind we can all become. And so what I would say is we all have these blind spots. Like right now, as you're looking at me, your brain is filling in the information so you can see my face. So I don't know where your blind spots are. Right. They say there's tests where you can find them. Hmm. That just kind of creeps me out, actually. <laughs> I just would rather just not live it. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> um, and I'm glad that I can't see my nose because mm. I think it would be very distracting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now that you say that, yeah. I'm like, oh, I haven't ever looked at my, seen my mm. nose, but it would. But it's in your vision. Right. Like, wow. But your brain is erasing it. Hmm. And so, so okay. So if I can't see, right, right, remember the old saying, as plain as the nose on your face? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not so plain. Right. And so we have to say, okay, what am I missing? And especially as Christians today, um, I, I need to listen. And so in my small group, we have a gal who's Muslim in my small group. And it's interesting for her to share her perspective from mm. things. And it's very different yeah. from my perspective mm-hmm. on things. And... Um, the first week in group, she said, oh, I didn't know I get to share. And I was like, yeah, that's the point of group. Mm-hmm. But um, I, and, and I, I need to be willing to listen mm-hmm. and hear her perspective. She's a doctor. 
she's Asian, she's a woman. I'm not a doctor, I'm not Asian, I'm not a woman. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't raised Muslim. Mm-hmm. So we, we we have four, but I'm, I'm commanded to love her. And the truth is, I actually really do care for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's precious yeah. and wonderful. And God sent his son to die for her on the cross. And so we might disagree about religion, but we need to agree that she matters. Absolutely. So that's the eyes of Jesus. And so I think that, you know, like, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok and uh, I'm watching people just, you know, argue about the facts. Yeah. And it's just like, man, um, and, you know, people say this, I think more conservatives, facts don't care about your feelings. Well, Jesus does. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, facts can be so easily twisted. Absolutely. So I love, I love that we have got to recognize that we don't have all the answers. Right. We do not have the complete full picture and we need Jesus to give us a better perspective. Yeah. There's another question here. It says B. So maybe Brandon, maybe okay. Brandy, <clears throat> maybe Thank who you, knows? B. B from Europe. Oh, hey, whoa. So good. Okay. Yeah, so this Santa's is worldwide. Yeah, come that's on right. Come on. Okay. So this is really good. It says, I live in a place where religion is looked down upon and there are very few, if any active churches. Right. I'm the only Christian in my family and friend group. And your first message in the different series made me think about my experience of trying to follow Christ while being surrounded by non-believers. Because I'm the only Christian, I can sometimes feel distant from the people around me and it's hard. I sometimes wonder if the way I am now as a Christian is too different to understand Mm -hmm. or if it's actually drawing my community to Christ. Mm -hmm. Such a great question. How do you find the balance of being a faithful Christian who lives differently, but is also accessible to others? What a great question. B, I think that is a struggle every day. And Mm -hmm. if it's not a struggle, you're not living it. Mm. And so I think every single day we need to not look weird. Um, You know, I think there's too many Christians that are weird. And so how can I seem normal, but healthy? I think, I think the appeal of Jesus to the non-religious person. So you know, the first thing I get from non-religious people is you're normal. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't look like a pastor. And so what that means is the picture that they've created in their mind of what a pastor looks like. And I don't meet those well now as I'm getting more gray, maybe, but, um, so, and I always take that as a compliment. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, so when people ask me, what was Jesus like? I would say very normal, mm-hmm. very normal. And, um, and that's, what's wrong with the celebrity pastor culture is when I meet celebrity pastors, they are very I don't want to say abnormal because I think of that movie where kids Abby normal the brain. Um, um, they they're 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 strange and not yeah. in not a good way. Um, and I think celebrity does that. You know, I heard my wife say this. You know, we were at a church and somebody said, "Oh my gosh, it's like meeting a celebrity." And my wife said, "We're not. Mm. We're not celebrities. Mm-hmm. We're we're just people with 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 uh, you know a vision from God and and where God calls you, He He supplies for you, and that's, that's right. what He's done. But Listening to my wife just say that we're not, mm-hmm. and 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 we don't want to be that. We just want to be normal people. And um, so, what I would say is, be as loving as you can, you can, be as gracious as you can. Um, you know, if you're going to talk about politics or sexuality, um, off, pray about whether or not you even need to offer your opinion. Um, I tend not to unless I'm asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody asks me, I try to share it humbly, um, you know. And so, like, if you if you were gay, Donna, I wouldn't talk anything. I would say, here's what my my view of sexuality is. This is my body, and I honor God with my body. And one of the ways I believe God's asked me to do that is is the way in which I have sex. Mm-hmm. And so, this is a huge issue for me. And so, I think Christians need to play on diversity being such a value 
that includes Christians. That's what, what I tell all the people all the time is diversity includes Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been excluded from the conversation. And some of that's because we were exclusive <laughs> yeah. before. And so, um, but diversity includes, includes me and my perspective and um, who I have sex with is very important to me in particular in the way I honor God. Um, you know, when my wife and I, you know, when I go on a trip, my faithfulness to her starts with God, but is to her. That's right. But it starts with God. And so even though I'm away from her, I'm with God. Mm -hmm. And so I live accordingly. And so that's what I would just say say is try to have a good time. Um, you know, and in Europe, I think everybody drinks. So you can, you can drink, but you cannot be drunk, you know? So don't be like, Oh, I gave up (laughs) drinking because I'm a weird Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Jesus was accused of being a drunkard. Yeah, he was. Um, so, but there's no excuse for drunkenness, zero, um, as Christians. And um, when you're drunk, you're sinning against God and you're, and you're violating your body. That's the temple. So, um, you know, be a, be a good friend. Be a fun friend. Right. Like, oh my gosh, you know, don't be a negative Nancy. So I don't know if that's a saying in Europe, but it's a saying here in America. But be a, be, be a person that somebody wants to be around. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think here's the tension um, I hear Christians say this, Jesus hung around sinners, and I, I disagree, sinners hung around Jesus. Yeah. And so be if, if what you want to do is be with sinners so you're cool, you're probably going to be more like them. Mm-hmm. If sinners want to be like you, yeah. then they're going to change and yeah. repent. And so, so, so um, my, my hope and prayer is that when we meet non-Christians, our non-Christian friends who are married want a marriage like Tammy and I have. Well, what's the secret sauce? It's Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, when I meet somebody and they find out like at the gym, I, I hope that I'm kind and nice and helpful and I don't come across like I'm a big deal or I'm super important because I don't think any of those things reflect Jesus. Right. Um, you know, Jesus specifically said, you know, don't lead like pagan leaders do for yeah. they lord it over. And so when I see Christian leaders doing that, I'm like, ugh, that's a miss. Um, you know, Tammy and I try to live a humble life. We've, we've done well financially, but we've lived a humble life. Mm-hmm. Like we are not extravagant. Um, you know, I, I try to, I try to live a life that honors God and a yeah. life that honors God is what people, they don't realize it, but that's the life they want. That's right. And so uh, I'm good with my money. Mm-hmm. I, I am faithful to my wife. I love my children. Like, um, uh, you know, I, I have good friends. I have great community. I'm not lonely because I follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think Christians who are experiencing those things are missing out on a part of Jesus mm-hmm. because he, what's the first thing he does is invite people in his life. And so that's what I would say B is I think it's a struggle every day and I'm praying for you know that your church at Sandals loves you. Um, we may be far away. Um, you know, but like Paul said, I'm there with you in spirit. We are there with you in spirit. And so we're praying for you. And here's my hope and prayer B is that God would bring you a person. We call it the person of peace. Mm-hmm. someone who is open to the gospel and that you would share it and that it would be a positive experience uh, because, right, two are better than one. And I'm praying for a Christian in your life. And again, just try to be the best, I don't know if you're a son or daughter, but be the best child you can be, be the best brother or sister you can be, be the best friend you can be in the name of Jesus. And I think that's the best way to be. Um, you know, because, you know, as a pastor, right, one of the qualifications is I must be above reproach. Yeah. So in the community, I mean, people don't always have great things to say about me, but hopefully it's without cause. Um, and so I try to live a life that's above board. Mm-hmm. And so 
uh, you know, people are going to have opinions the, the more influential you become, but, but just try to be above reproach and say, okay, I'm going to be a good friend. Hey, thanks for checking out the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. The Debrief Podcast is produced by Sandals Church and is a show where Matt Brown answers questions on faith and culture. If you've enjoyed The Debrief and want to help us create more content that helps people grow in their faith and in their journey of being real, I want to invite you to visit donate.sc. Thanks for joining us and God bless. Yeah, that's good. You touched on a couple of things that kind of lead into our next questions. The one I want to go to now is what are some tips or advice you have for witnessing to people who have left the church over legitimate hurt? Right. And you kind of shared a little bit about some pastors that lord that right. lorded over the people or celebrity culture. So how do you witness people who have left over legitimate? Right. You know, hurt? Jordan Peterson just talked about this uh, extensively that almost every atheist he's met is not a real atheist. They're a wounded Christian. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. There's somebody that's been hurt. And I thought, and he said, this is his clinical analysis of wow. the situation. And oftentimes it's wounding as a young person. Um, so all of us, right, you know, children are always subject to the power of the adults that lord over them. And so whether that's a priest, a nun, a pastor, um, a, a Sunday school teacher, yeah. these people are in, in incredible power and it wounds us. It's why when a police officer does what they do to George Floyd, it just, it, it just, it wrecks all of us Mm -hmm. because this person has sworn an oath to protect and to, and to, and to obey the law and protect the constitution of the United States. And they're violating this human being's rights, regardless of who George Floyd was as a person in this moment, he is under the care of a law enforcement officer. And the same thing happens in the church. Um, and people, unfortunately, don't handle it well. And so here's what I would say. As I've been the pastor at Sandals Church for 26 years, very few people can handle the platform and even less can handle the power. Mm. Uh, for whatever reason, it has not affected me. I, I feel like I'm the hobbit, you know, in the Lord of the Rings. Do you, do you know why they, they give Bilbo the ring? Because it doesn't affect him the yeah. way it affects others. Right. And for whatever reason, I've had my issues and I've had my challenges uh, I tend to be a person who thinks I'm not a big deal. I tend to err on, I'm not good enough. Um, I'm not smart enough. I focus on my negativity rather than check me out. So, mm-hmm. but some people, man, they believe the hype. Oh my gosh, I'm the pastor. And they confuse the authority. See, I'm a steward. I've been given this authority, but it's on loan from Jesus. Yeah. And and he, well, by the way, he's going to hold me accountable. And so... I think that we just need to understand it's really hard for people, religious or not, to wield power well. Um, I don't think our government has done it well. Um, You know, with the the COVID crisis, they've not handled it well. It's a lot of power to be able to control people's lives. Um, And regardless of your, to the left or to the right, the government decided who could worship. That, that is a fundamental transition in our, it's never happened in the history of our country. And people were just like, okay. Now some people lost their minds, you know, but um, I know I was one of the ones that lost yeah, my mind. I kind of did too. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't realize that, man, power is, you know, mm. the beauty of America. America has got a lot of brokenness. The beauty was the separation of power mm-hmm. and the checks and balances. And that is the golden egg of government. Yeah. And and we're, we're blessed that those very broken white dudes, <laughs> you know, uh, what, 250 years ago, I don't know how many years it's been, understood that power Absolutely. should not be trusted. Um, and, uh, and, and they did a lot of horrible things, a lot of horrible things, um, you know, that are written in the Constitution. But um, 
it's not just the church. It's power. It's police. It's teachers. Uh, it's um, pastors. It's it's people in authority who don't know how to wield it well. And so I would just acknowledge that. Yeah. And I always try to start with, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I was uh, abused by a pastor when I was uh, a teenager. And I was very angry with God. And I almost ran away from the church completely. And I had an encounter with a UPS worker and he was not kind. Some people aren't. And we got into a verbal altercation and he said, do you want the package or not? And I said, yes, it's mine. And I heard God say, do you want me or not? And the Holy Spirit said, because he's yours. Wow. And you've let this messenger, mm-hmm. this delivery person, wreck our relationship. And so what I would say to everyone who's been wounded is don't give the person who wounded you any more power. Mm-hmm. Don't let them stay between you and God. Absolutely. And there are awful people in our church. I hear about stuff <laughs> and I am like, what on earth? <laughs> Where did you come from? Why are you here? Right, Donna, exactly. I wouldn't I would go to the beach on Sundays. Right, I would exactly. go I would do a thousand things rather than come to church if I wasn't actually interested. But people come to church for all kinds of reasons. And occasionally it's Jesus. Yeah. So, so, so let me just say, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. And again, back to our conversation on evil, the church has done a horrendous job naming evil amongst itself. Uh, like our arrows point out, right? right? Like we're, we're, we're looking out and we've missed it from within. And so we, we have to do a good job. And just know, Paul says, uh, wolves will come up from amongst yourselves, Acts 28. Pay attention. You know, they come up from amongst yourselves and, and, we, and we have to do that. And just know people are broken yeah. and even the Pope needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. And um, it's why I have the vision of being real yeah. at Sandals. It hasn't helped everybody, but it's helped some people. And so I'm just so sorry. But there's no reason, you know, just because the bank teller is offensive, if you've got an inheritance sitting in, the, in that bank, go get it. Yeah, and that's what I would say. Good. Jesus came to get you. You go get him and don't let any moron get in your way. And there are good people at this church. I wish it was easier to find them and connect with them. Um, you know, somebody said the other day on my Instagram, why don't you tell Sandals? I was like, yeah, that's called a cult. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, exactly. like uh, what I do is I invite Sandals. Mm-hmm. I encourage Sandals. I try to teach Sandals. But at the end of the day, it's one of the ways that I've checked myself with power. I don't tell people what to do. Um, I think that's very unhealthy and very wrong. Uh, you have the Holy Spirit in with you. I can give scripture and teaching and wisdom and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And hopefully if what I'm saying is of God, you do it. But when I make you do it, Donna, it is, that is a grotesque evil. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we have to be aware of that, that it's why I think that there is heresy in the church because I think the other evil is there's uniformity. Mm. And that is worse. Yeah. So, and I know that all of our listeners are probably gonna have to pause, rewind that. But I think heresy is better than uniformity because the worst sins of the church is when there was one branch. And um, and that's not saying anything against Catholics, but it's never good when you're the only game in town because mm-hmm. you, you control all the chips, you control everything. And um, people historically have not handled that well. Yeah. And the ones who say, hey, this is wrong, get killed. Yeah. So- Absolutely. You know. All right. Next question. This is a really good one. This is from an anonymous um, listener or someone who watched on Sunday. And they say, I've struggled with depression Mm -hmm. and same-sex attraction since childhood. 
I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on treatments. Mm. I've prayed, I've fasted, I obtained a master's in theology, okay. etc. I have finally overcome my anger at God for not healing me, mm. which has taken decades. After today's sermon mm. on God's immeasurable blessings, I'm mad again. Mm. I'm again challenged to take a breath and surrender. Mm. I feel like I've been kicked in the face again, but as I reread the text, it seems the emphasis is on the kindness and blessing of God for giving our sins. Most sermons make it sound like everything will be great. All things work together for good. How do I embrace this blessing and kindness from God as true as true when I feel like I'm crawling on glass? Right. Even as I try my best to be obedient and trust him, even yeah. when I feel hopeless. Mm. Man, I just want to say thank you so much. And, um, you know, here, here's what I would say to you is asking God. So let, let's, let's divide depression and homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. separate those two issues. So let's start with homosexuality. Uh, or same sex attraction. Asking God to change your sexuality is like asking God to make you tall, short, uh, make you white, make me black. Right. Um, it, it it's not our attraction that's the sin; it's our action. Yeah. And so um, I I am uh, a heterosexual, so I'm attracted to women. Um, when that attraction is directed towards my wife, it's blessed. If it is directed towards anyone else. It is, if I act on it, it's a sin. Uh, if I dwell on it, think about it. Uh, so when Jesus says to look at a woman with lust, right? What, he, what he's talking about is um, visualizing and planning out a way that you can make it happen. He doesn't mean the occasional thought. Um, and so, so what I would say is what you need to offer God is yourself as gay and say, as a gay, I'm assuming man, I don't know, or, yeah. or, or gay woman, I am going to honor you and my passion for you will be more important to me than my passion for intimacy, connection, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, you know, love with, with a person sexually. Um, and and that's a, that is a tough sacrifice, but it will be a sacrifice that is honored. And so the, the immeasurable kindness that you're receiving is even though you struggle and what what I hear you saying is you've, you've failed to change. Yeah. God has still forgiven you mm. and, and his kindness supersedes your ability to change. Uh, he recognizes the gospel looks into your heart, sees your desire uh, and says, I got this. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to empower you not to change every feeling, every desire, but to empower you to act against them. And uh, as a heterosexual man, uh, and ladies don't always tell me, well, you're not a man, you're a pastor. I'm like, well, I'm still a man. Uh, as a man, um, the Holy Spirit has empow- empowered me not to not be straight, not to not be sexual, but to handle my straight sexuality in such a way that it honors God and does not bring shame to my body. Yeah. And so, um, and so that's what I would pray for you, not to change your sexuality. And I'm sorry if you've, so that's why I don't know. Did he spend counseling on changing? Well, he said tens of thousands of dollars in treatment. So I'm assuming counseling therapy or something like that. And then also going on to school to obtain a master's in theology thinking, you know, I'm assuming that that might help in this process. Yeah, well, seminary made me depressed, so <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that it's gonna. I don't think that's gonna help. Yeah. Um, so, so what I would say is, um, there's a great doctor that I'm a big fan of. I follow him on TikTok and uh, I follow him on Instagram, and his name is Amen, but it's Amen, Doctor Amen, and I think he is wonderful. And one of the things that I talk about in my book, Healing, is that the medical community's forgotten God. Church people have forgotten the medical community, and yeah. we need both. And so what I would say is your character um, 
is not defined by the chemistry of your brain. Hmm. And, and you just have to look at your brain like it may be like a broken arm. And we can, like, if you broke your arm, Donna, we could pray. And if it doesn't heal, then I would drive you to the doctors. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think we need to look at mental health in the same way. We need to get rid of shame. You need to be in a community group where you can talk about when you're feeling down, when you're feeling gray. Um, I'm a person whose mood fluctuates. Um, I wouldn't say I'm clinically depressed, but I'm a person that could lean that way quickly. Um, I'm a glass half empty person. I mean, I wish that um, I wish that I was like I am on stage all the time, positive, mm-hmm. Captain Happy. Wow, look at this. Um, but one of the things I've come to realize is for me to have that energy on the weekends, I have to have the valley during the week mm-hmm. because that's how God moves me. And so, right, for a beautiful spring, you need a winter. Yeah. I mean, that's just the case. And so what I would say is it's okay to be discouraged and saddened at some points. The question is, what are you doing? So here's here's a couple things when I'm feeling sad. And so here's the thing is, you're not gonna wanna do any of these things. That's the, that, that's the problem with any mental illness is you've lost the capacity to drive yourself to do that which you wanna do. Like when your leg is broken, your brain says, we have to fix this. When it's your brain, who's... Yeah, which other part yeah, of your body yeah, which part of your, 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 yeah. your hand doesn't go, hey, brain, you right. know, we need to fix this. And so that's why you need community. Um, and, and, you know, a couple of years ago, I had a guy in my community group. I said, look, either you drive yourself to the doctors this week or I will. Like, this is this is not normal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could tell that he was a different person and it found out he had a serotonin issue. Mm-hmm. And, and I know there's been all that stuff that, you know, the levels may or may not affect your brain. But in some people, it does. And that's the problem with media. They give one blip and everybody goes crazy and they're like, Tom Cruise is right. And I was like, well, he's a little crazy. Um, Definitely. Yes. Thank you. Um, (laughs) You know, so what I would say is stop asking God to take away your depression. Stop asking God to change your sexuality and say, God, help me serve you as a person who struggles with depression and help me to serve you as a person who struggles with same sex attraction and just embrace that. Hmm. It is, it is what it is. It would be just as hard for me to say, God, I, I want to be six feet tall. I'm five eleven and three quarters. I'm never going to be six feet tall. Now the Lord could, right? We we he could, could he we could, could stretch pray. a leg. Yeah, amen. He could do it. <laughs> but He's probably called me to serve Him at five eleven and three quarters. Absolutely. And so, so that's what I would just and do. Quarters. And I, I I think I know. Come on, three quarters now. <laughs> so, um, I that's the biggest mistake that I think the church has mm-hmm. made is we've tried to change people's sexuality rather than calling them to just care about it. I think Jesus says in the gospel of Matthew that following him is is not easy. He's so challenging on marriage. The disciples are like, well, who can get married? And he says, this is not easy. Mm-hmm. And there are few that can accept this. Mm-hmm. And he, then he goes on to this weird talk about eunuchs. There are some who are born this way. There are some who are made this way. And then he says this weird line. There are some who become this way for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Well, he's a Jew. You can't cut your nuts off. Um, so, sorry, Don. <laughs> Welcome to the debrief. Um, well, I'm yeah. happy to be here. Yeah. So, no, because that's that's mutilation. Absolutely. It's a sin against your body. I mean, body. I would hope you wouldn't yeah. want to yeah. do that willingly well, if, you know, well. Well, historically, the church has had some dark ages where yeah. they did some bizarre things. Right. Because uh, they take the, if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut right. off. He's It's a hyperbole. Right. He's saying eternal life is more important than this life. He's not actually saying cut off your hand or gouge out your eye because the Lord made this hand and the Lord made this eye. What I need to change is what I do with Mm -hmm. them because there are huge consequences at stake. So what I would say is, I would just say, Lord, um, you know, what Jesus is saying, excuse me, is he's saying, look, some of us just have to decide. Sexuality is not something we can control. 
So we just shut it off. And, and, and the same is true for the alcoholic. Yeah. The alcoholic says, a glass of wine is not a glass of wine for me. And so they shut it off. And, and uh, you know, I think here's a, here's a big level of ignorance in the church is we're like, oh, well, you'll get married or you'll get this. And, and I've dealt with this with recovering sex addicts. I enjoy sex. I'm not a sex addict. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's like. And my definition of a sex addict is a person who engages in acts that put themselves in danger and and the people that they love in danger. So they they just throw like, you know, uh, all common sense out the window. There are some people who are saying, oh, well, maybe one day you'll get married. And what we're saying is we're asking you to manage your addiction in the context of marriage. I'm like, and as a young pastor, I would have thought that was good advice. Now I realize... No, no. Jesus said, "For the sake of the kingdom, some have become eunuchs." Because the, it, it's n- in the same way when you ask a, an alcoholic to drink of the Lord's Supper and mm-hmm. taste wine, well, I would never do that. Right. That's why we serve grape juice because we don't want to put anybody in a position, you know, where they would they would they would be sucked right back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's what I would say is, man, I, I would just say, Lord, take me. As I am, and so, man, you know, gosh, this is the longest answer ever. So, no, go. but it's good. I mean, this this had a lot of parts to it. Yeah. He's talking about his sexuality. He's talking about his mm. his mental health, and I think a lot of people will um, identify with mm. either or or something else that they might be struggling with mentally. Yeah. So, so like in, in John five, one last thing, uh, Jesus meets the woman who's been married. Is it five times or four times? Five. And the woman she's the man she's with now is not her husband. She asks him, and it's it's, it's interesting. It's at a well. It's yeah. Jacob's well. Where did where did Jacob meet his wives? At, the well, At a well. Yeah. What was Jacob's problem? He was given Leah. Mm-hmm. She's not beautiful. Yeah. He did not want her. My he, daughter thinks that story is hilarious. Yeah. He wants yeah. Rachel. <laughs> yeah. And so she's asking him, "Are you greater than our father Jacob, mm. who rejected a woman because she wasn't pretty enough?" Mm-hmm. We miss this, and I'm a broken woman, and I've been rejected by men five times. Wow. Yeah. He is better. And what I would say to this listener is you need to discover about Jesus the same mm. thing she did. And what does she do? She goes back and tells the village, come meet the man who told me everything, everything I ever did. He knows everything about her and he wants her anyways. Yeah. He is greater than Jacob. And so that's the thing that we need to realize when we, when we read the Old Testament and we look at these deeply flawed people, mm-hmm. right? The God of Jacob, Jesus is better. Mm-hmm. He's better than Jacob. He's better than David. He's wiser than Solomon. He's he he's more focused than Saul. He is more loyal to his bride than Abraham is. God, every time I read that story, he's like, you know, uh, and and all like two of the brothers do that in in the Genesis story. Say you're my sister, right? You know, when Jesus died for his wife, he didn't give his wife to Pharaoh. <laughs> like, and that's what we need to realize. Jesus is the ultimate personification of every biblical character and he's better than them. Yeah. He's better than them. And so that's what I would just say is trust him. He loves you. He knows you're depressed. He knows you struggle. He loves you anyways. It does not give you permission to hurt yourself when you're depressed. And it does not give you, it does not give you permission to act on your sexuality. Um, because those things ultimately pull you further away from God Mm. because your body, this, this, uh, listener's body is the temple of God. It, you you are the holiest of holies, mm-hmm. the place in which God dwells. And here's the thing about sex, is sex makes us the most like God. So when you read Genesis, he made us in his image, so he made us female and male, yeah. so that together we have the ability to do what only he can do, which is create life. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why many Christians don't understand it's just sex. No, it makes you like God. Mm-hmm. And so look in our culture. Now we abort children because we've come together and we've created a child we do not want. Mm-hmm. So we violated that power. And what do we do? We, we, we end life because we, we didn't want it. It's like it's the whole thing is messed up. And so as Christians, we need to be stewards of our sexuality, gay Absolutely. or straight. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, 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 that, and that's, again, go back to that passage in Jesus, in Matthew, where he says they are eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. I'm going to talk forever. Yeah, that was good. I, I like, I mean, when you said he is better for whatever reason, that just stuck in my brain, I think that's something that people can hold on to, whatever they're facing. Like, yeah. he is better. He is yeah. so much better than anything we would try. Um, and even the person that was hurt by the church, Jesus absolutely, is better. He's better. He's better He's than that jerk better. or that yeah. person or that, that person, hurt you or wounded whoever you. Whoever it was, yeah. the leader, the the person. Yeah. And we've all been hurt by yeah. somebody at some point, at some time in the mm-hmm. church. But he's better. Amen. He is so much better. Okay. This is our last one. Thank God. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm already sweating. This is good, though. So, 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 so good. Okay. In what ways do you think, and this could kind of, okay, give me two ways, maybe. Okay. okay. In what ways do you think Christians have become similar to the world around them? Because we could go all over yeah, the place yeah. with that. Where have Christians compromised? Yeah. Well, let's start with politics. So I think yeah. I think both my friends on the left and on the right have married their political ideology with their faith. Absolutely. And so, you know, I think I think the Trumpsters get a bad rap. Um, and not because they're not they haven't married America and Jesus, but I think we only focus on them, which just on the left, the social justice warriors, they've done the very same thing. And and both both are wrong. Uh, you know, Donald Trump um, did some great things, but he was a deeply troubled man morally. And 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 I think that's egg on the face of the church when you know he became our candidate. I mean, you and I are both old enough to remember when that was the major concern about Bill Clinton. Yeah, like this guy, absolutely. this guy is uh, you know a serial you know uh, adulterer, and that's what you know yeah. Donald Trump was. And, um, I and had th- I had sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but I had my husband, dear friend that he's had since college not was a believer at one point. I don't know what's going on right now, yeah. but that was his main thing. How can Christians be support? I mean, he just could not understand yeah. it because yeah. of his moral yeah. issues. I know. Yeah. yeah. And then the same thing is true, you know, with Nancy Pelosi where she's oh, a Catholic, gosh. right. But, you know, um, you know, using her and her nephew, Governor Newsom, using Bible verses to, yeah. to condone abortion, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, come on, loving your neighbor as yourself includes the fetus. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we could do a whole episode on that, but, um, you know, because I do know Christian history and I, and it has been addressed. And so we can talk about it in the future. And so what I would just say is we've all become too political, all of us. And really what needs to happen is it's, it's how do we tone it down? So, so the country is split 50, 50, mm-hmm. how do we move forward? Um, you know, I, when I was a kid, we used to have elect, we used to have voting booths at our church. And I remember people would, I remember the, the election when uh, Reagan beat Carter. So I was, I grew up Southern Baptist. Mm. So most of our church voted for Carter because he was a Southern Baptist. He was the first born again uh, president running against Ronald Reagan, the, the actor, Republican, you know, his wife was into, you know, the Zodiac, right? <laughs> I mean, there was just, there were just weird things about that, but everybody voted and then went and worshiped together. Yeah. I, I mean, not a peep, yeah. not a peep, not a... You know, I, I mean, people had their Democrat buttons on, yeah. their Republican buttons, and we took a knee and prayed. I remember that vividly as a kid. Wow. Um, 
And my mom was a, a big Jimmy Carter fan at the time. She probably isn't now, but at the time she was. And, and, and I remember one of their young friends was Reagan, or, you know, the Reagan. And, and they, I remember them hugging after mm. church on Sunday night when Jimmy Carter conceded. And I just thought, I, it gave me such peace as a child. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw adults in the church disagree politically and love each other and move forward. And now that just does not happen. And it's because, you know, and, and you'll hear me say this over and over, Donna, for, for, for many pastors, their theology and their politics are married. And for me in this church, I am, you know, I'm very passionate politically. Mm-hmm. I was a political science major, but my love for Jesus and my love for America are separate things. I have strong opinions about what needs to be done, should be done. Um, I believe in Jesus, man. I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. And I, I believe sin is sin. But I want to live in a country where where I, I am free to practice my faith. And, and people who disagree with me are free. Now, there are some issues like abortion where we're going we're gonna to disagree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've counseled women in this church to, I, I've said to women, have the baby, give them to me, and I will find a home. And they've aborted those, those babies. And I've had to look them in the face the next week, and we both know what happened. And I've had to love them mm. and, and and minister to them and preach as they sit in our service. And that's hard for me because my mom considered aborting me. Uh, that's why my name is Matthew. In the, in, the, in the Hebrew, matan is the word gift. And my mom wasn't sure if I was a gift. Mm. But thank God she chose life. Absolutely. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And so I'm just telling you, I have stared into the face of things that I believe are egregious sins but I believe church is a place for people to come right. And ultimately, I can't do anything about that woman's choice. That's in God's hands. But I have to love her and minister to her. And, and in some situations, you know, there's, every woman finds themselves, they're in that situation. They have their unique struggles and challenges. And I all, always counsel life, always, um, because that's what I believe. But, but I understand that 50% of our country does not agree with that. And so I, I have to live I have to live in this world where people see the world through a completely different lens yeah. than me. And I think Jesus understood that, that people saw things differently than him. And I think we're all shocked and offended and upset because we think everybody should see it the way that we do. And um, I think as Christians, we need to have the best arguments, but it needs to be said in love. Um, and, um, and, and people need to know that at the end of the day, we're not trying to control their lives. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to love them. And I feel like the church too often has felt like control. Um, and I think that we're getting a little taste of that from the other side. I feel like those on the left are, are now controlling us and it is, it, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like it from them and I don't want to control them. Um, but there are just some issues that are just so difficult in the public square. And as Christians, we just, again, um, we counsel people with truth. We cannot make people do things. Again, I have to say that again. Um, you know, and some people would say, well, you should have kicked her out of the church. And I just, I just disagree. I just disagree. Uh, they were hurting. Mm. I think they made the wrong decision. Right. Um, but I want to have it. I want to have a church where even a woman at the well who says, are you better than Jacob? Who knows what she had done? And there was a place for her. And, and again, you know, there's a woman who anoints the feet of Jesus. I wonder how many abortions she had had yeah. because she was a prostitute. And they said, if he was a prophet, he would know. Who's touching him? And he said, I know. And he said, her sins are many mm-hmm. and they are forgiven. And I, and I have, I have to believe in that. Um, when we want to be, we want to be the church that, that's, 
a genuine place, a real place where people can come and be healed and be fixed. Having said that, we started off with Dahmer and Bundy. <laughs> there are limits. Yeah. There, there are limits to what we let in the house of God. And for me, Dahmer and Bundy, they're outside the limits. Um, I can trust them with God. Yeah. I, I am not the one who saves them. You know, they don't need me to repent. Um, they need Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's probably an underpaid chaplain yeah. that can do that. And so, so I, I think it's very, very difficult. But um, So politically, and then what would be another place where you feel like Christians, where have Christians compromised? Oh, I mean, sex. I like sex. sex. Okay. And let me, let me pick on the hedros. Um, it, dri- <laughs> it drives me crazy. You know, we have, we have these uh, wonderful, amazing, beautiful gay people in our church that are trying so hard. Yeah. Um, and we've created a double standard. We have all of our heterosexual couples that are like, oh, we failed again. And, you know, there's just zero tolerance for our gay community. Yeah. And then the, and the heterosexual community is just failing again, messing up again. And it makes me angry because it's like, look, man, we're saying you have an avenue. It's called marriage that honors God. But you can't do that. But, I, but, but I'm going to counsel this person who's same-sex attracted that they can't ever enjoy the love and affection that as human beings, we, we all need, um, you know, my, my wife and I are in counseling and the doctor that's doing our counseling is actually talking about, um, that close intimate contact. So chest on chest releases a hormone in your brain that actually, uh, creates peace. God created us for oneness. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a same sex attracted person and you believe like I do with what the Bible says, you don't ever get that. Like we, we need to be the most compassionate, loving, amazing people. We don't compromise. Like right. this is truth, but we don't compromise on love either. And, um, you know, um, we, we, we want to be a place. So I would say politically, I, I would say sexually is, is the big one. And then just, just to watch, I, I, especially like what you're watching, what you're taking in. Um, like you asked me, you know, are you watching the Dahmer series? I, that, of that, that is evil to me yeah. and I can't, I can't take that in. And so that's why I don't know a lot about that. And I just would be like, okay, so you don't have time to read your Bible, but you can binge, <laughs> binge Dahmer. Dahmer, man. I'm like, what does that say about where your spiritual temperature is? Mm. Because because that is evil. And, and, and Paul actually says that there are some things that sinners do that we should not even talk about. That's right. And, um, you know, pedophilia, um, what do you call them? Serial killers? You know, like those, that is such an evil that I think we have to acknowledge it, but I don't, we have to be very careful and guarded in how we talk about it because um, by getting into it, the evil can get too close and it can, you know, Jesus says, woe to those whose eyes are dark and they think they are light. And, and we just have to be so careful because there's so many options of the things that we can take in. And so to be a Christian, I think is to be healthy physically, to be healthy spiritually and to be healthy emotionally. And if you're doing something that's pulling you away from God, that's affecting, you know, like your emotions in a negative way, or it's, it's bad for you physically, I would not do it. I, 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 it's not God honoring. And so, um, and so for some of us, that's diet and exercise Mm -hmm. and that's not a popular thing, but, um, you know, of all the issues in America, diabetes is the worst. It's like, it is the, it is, it is the big issue and nobody talks about it. And it's a problem in the church, um, because we don't eat right and we don't exercise. And then we're mad at God. Yeah. Why am I dying? Well, 
stop this. So we need to be the health. We should be the healthiest people emotionally, physically, and spiritually because we have been redeemed. We've been bought. We've been purchased. And so, um, I would just say go to the Holy Spirit individually because I don't know what it would look like for you, Donna. It, yeah. w- it would probably be different for me. Um, and I think every listener. Yeah, I think for sure politically, I think we've just gone a little crazy in that regard. Um, and and for me even, you know, with being different, being African-American, but being so pro-life mm. turns a lot of weird faces towards yeah. me and, and heads for me. But you know, I have a different perspective and, and because I, we've talked about this before, because I live in the hood and mm-hmm. I see the promotion yeah. of such things, um, then I, I have, I am like, absolutely not. There's some things that we just don't compromise on, but yeah, I think this can go a lot of ways. And I think it's really important to, like you said, lean into the Holy spirit, ask him, Lord, you know, he who knows who do, to do what is right, but doesn't mm-hmm. do it to him. Mm-hmm. It is sin. Yeah. Right. And so there are some things I, you know, I don't know about the Dahmer thing, but there are things that the Holy Spirit has encouraged me personally. You cannot watch that. Mm-hmm. You cannot do that. You mm-hmm. cannot, you know, there was a, I always, I kind of tell this story when I was younger, my mom didn't want me to get a piercing up here. So silly, but she just had this thing about it. And I remember I went and did it anyway. <laughs> I was 16. I went and did it anyway. And I remember when I was in college, the Lord told me, take it out. Yeah. And I was like, why? Like I'm grown now, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. But it was just the symbol of rebellion. And he was really dealing with me about that at yeah. that time. So you've got to lean into Holy Spirit and say, hey, is this an area of my life where I'm compromising? Lord, you know, help me to redirect. So this is super good. This is awesome. I know. Amen. Yeah. There's no uh, asterisk uh, for uh, honor your mother and father. Yeah, yeah. there absolutely is. <laughs> Until 18. And to this day, yeah, yeah, I, I do, mom, I do not have the earring in my ear. I definitely took Amen. it out, but Anything else before we finish up that you want people to know before no, about this new series, about Ephesians? No, just uh, just say this. The show is, I mean, you're incredible. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I think way better than me. But uh, <laughs> the show is only as good as the questions that people ask. And so um, do me a favor, uh, write whatever question. Uh, you know, we're not here to shame you, embarrass you, or put you down. Um, that this show is just about debriefing culture, how you're feeling, the message, whatever's on your heart or mind, and I'll do the best I can. I had no idea we were asking a Jeffrey Dahmer question. So um, hopefully I handled that one okay. I think it was great. Yeah, so just so send in your questions. And, and the next thing is share this with your friends. The debrief hasn't been on for a long time. So let your friends know, hey, the debrief is back. We're gonna try to do this uh, every week uh, for as many weeks as we possibly can. I'm so grateful. Uh, hopefully you guys love Donna. I thought she was great. Um, the moment I met her, I thought, man, she would be great on the debrief. And oh, so thank thanks. you so much for stepping thank on. Thank you for having you me. A, this is awesome. You're a busy woman. So thank I you. am a busy woman, uh, mostly with my kids. I yeah. mean, they're, they're kind of a whole job, but, um, this is awesome. Yeah. Please send in questions. Go to move.sc forward slash ask and type away. We want to hear it. We want to hear what you're thinking, what you're processing with the Holy spirit. And, uh, that was great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.